welcome to the Executive Spotlight Q&A, a sponsored Light Reading audio production. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and today's Executive Spotlight features Fari Diner. He is the co-founder and CEO of Plume. Uh, you may remember Plume from the early day, you know, early on in the pandemic. Um, they were the company that we interviewed a couple of times to talk about how extensively uh, working from home was changing broadband usage, device usage, and network traffic patterns for service providers. So we did a couple of podcasts with them early on in the pandemic. Please do go back and listen to those because it's interesting the kind of data that they have access to and how many devices are visible on their network. Um, Fari Diner is also an interesting uh, uh executive in this space. He's been an investor in massive amounts of bandwidth for many, many years. Uh, he was the CEO of a long-haul optical networking company called Qterra that was sold to Nortel back in the early aughts. Um, he's also an early investor in Infinera, which is another optical networking company that Light Reading and its audience continues to follow closely. So uh, we talk about his background in, uh, in the telecom business and how that led to Plume. We talk about what Plume is here to do, what its purpose is, why it's getting more investment, uh, investment um, what uh, you know, what is attracting investors to the company, and how it's getting on with service providers and the rest of the market. Um, you know, what value it offers to service providers, what problem it solves for them, and how it's going to uh, you know build on its continued success and learn from all of this data that's coming back from. The various devices that it connects to. So we cover a lot of ground here, but uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. So please enjoy this Executive Spotlight Q&A with Fari Diner. He is the co-founder and CEO of Plume. Fari Diner, thanks so much for being part of the Executive Spotlight Q&A. Good to be here, Phil. Thank you for having me. It's it's great to talk to you. And um, uh, I guess for the first thing we should cover um, would be for those of, uh, you know, our audience is changing all the time. Uh, people are coming in and out of the telecom industry. Um, and uh, there's quite a bit of buzz around Plume. People are curious about the company. So for people who aren't familiar with Plume yet, um, what does the company do and what problem did you set out to solve? Yeah, I mean, uh, the company, as you might imagine, um, we were a start, you know, early stage startup about five, five, six years ago, we've evolved. Um, we started the company with a fairly narrow, or a much narrower sort of view than what we have today, which I will explain in a second. I come personally from the, the telecom space. I've been involved in bringing broadband to people, you know, all throughout my career, whether it was uh, submarine networks, long distance networks, uh, last mile and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, Plume sort of came out of frustration for me and my co-founders who were also come, who come from the same space in realization that, um, you know, the network sort of fell apart in the last couple of meters in our home. Um, regardless of all the magic uh, that happens upstream on your uh, high-speed transmission links, your routers, and, and what have you, um, we kind of had realized that we had this last two-meter problem, and that's we really set out to uh, solve that. It was fairly narrow vision, uh, if you know what I mean. In doing so, we realized that uh, it needed a lot. It was actually a software 
problem. It needed to be solved with uh, lots of compute and storage. We ended up on the cloud um, just really to solve the Wi-Fi problem in the home. Um, then we realized that it, uh, you know, it, we had built this amazing platform to provide an ultra-reliable connectivity inside the home, which is really the, the networking layer. Um, then looking at the dynamics of the space and the channels to market, which are largely service providers, you know, your, your cable company, your telco, and, and so on, looked at what problems they were facing. Um, we realized that in order to retain consumers, uh, grow their top lines as the this triple play bundle started to melt uh, your you know your voice video internet yeah. they needed to offer all sorts of new services for stickiness as well as uh, you know growth so we turned it into it, it we realized that we had this platform uh, over which um, you could offer all sorts of new services so we ended up uh, where we are today as as a leader in the smart home consumer experience consumer experience management uh, platform. Uh, and this platform enables our service provider customers to offer all sorts of in-home services, uh, not necessarily bring, bringing connectivity to the home, but providing a rich set of experiences for the consumer. So that's what the company does today. Um, and it, it evolved like every startup. You learn as you go along. But we've uh, realized that it's a massive underserved market. And uh, we've taken a you know, pretty good position in this and uh, growing quite fast. Yeah, if I may, every time you've gotten to a point in this in the company's development, you look at the data, you figure out what problem that you know what challenge there is just ahead of that, or what that data suggests the next challenge is, and it seems like you've kind of evolved your vision as you go to kind of meet the market. Um, is that is that a fair way to kind of characterize it? Yeah, I mean, Phil, this is not my first startup. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've been involved in building startups and exiting them at, at billions of dollars of valuations and so on. I would love to tell you that five or six years ago, I knew exactly what we were going to do and where we were going to be today and where we're going to be five years from now. I didn't. Um, the, the reality is you're, you're attacking a problem that you are um, sort of passionate about. And then you keep learning uh, what the next step should be uh, towards a vector. We do have a vector. Uh, we are a, an ambitious, aggressive company. Uh, we want to remain as the leader in this space. We think it's a massive opportunity. We think the whole telco communications industry is changing in a big way. We don't think that the feeds and speeds are the differentiators anymore. Uh, the pipes are big. They're fast. Differentiation is starting to become its price. Right. So we think the telecom uh, or, you know, services, residential services are all about what you do inside the home for the consumer. In a way, I feel like broadband should be attached to the home rather than these smart home services attached to the broadband, if you know what I mean. So we're kind of, we have that kind of view. So it's a long way of saying it's a, it's a massive opportunity. And one thing Plume has done well is, is to continue to learn. Uh, and to solve the right set of problems and identify the right constraints. Yeah, well put. I, I think that's a, a great encouragement too for any entrepreneurs listening to this. <laughs> is that having all the answers right out of the gate is usually is 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 not the normal uh, uh, route from somebody who's who's successfully done this before. Um, okay, so Plume's a privately held company. It's venture backed and uh, just received a significant amount of uh, funding. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how much you've raised, um, 
why you raised the money, and then where you plan to uh, take that investment. Sure. Um, first, we raised $270 million. Um, the, the round, uh, the money came from Insight Partners. Um, those of you know, some of your audience might know them. They're probably creme de la creme of the, the late, later stage growth investors yeah. who invest in software. Um, they obviously understand the, the, the space, the dynamics, the health of company, you know, high growth companies like us. So we're very happy to be partnering with them. Um, we feel that we not only received a bunch of cash, but also a tremendous amount of support and capability that they, they provide. As uh, you know, if Plume can continue at, at the pace that we're in, we're probably, you know, we, we could be a public company in not too distant future and we need all the help you know, we can get uh, on, on that journey. Um, the money, uh, the, the, the profile of the company from a financial perspective is that we are a SaaS company. We provide, you know, cloud-based services to our customers who subscribe to us for a given term. Uh, one of the benefits of this uh, model is that it, it tends to, you know, yield fairly high gross margins, which we like. Our high gross margins are enabling us to have a high operating leverage, which means I can continue to invest both in R&D and sales and marketing. So with this and with this amount of cash now, um, you know, a, a high leverage business model um, enabled by high uh, gross margins. Now with a significant balance sheet, we believe will enable us to continue to push on, you know, two main growth vectors. Um, one of them, obviously is to gain more customers. We have about 170 service providers um, uh, that are that are rolling out these smart home services using Plume. We had 150 two months ago, so we're, we're adding at a, at a good good clip. Wow, that's fast. Um, <laughs> fast growth. Right. So, um, you know, you want to obviously get more customers, but at the same time, you also want to sell more products to both existing customers and new customers. Uh, that's the R&D dimension. So I want to lean in uh, in both dimensions pretty heavily. Um, and we think that uh, this funding, a, a new partner, um, our momentum in the space, um, our leadership position sets the stage nicely for Plume to continue to innovate. I think the ultimately the winners are the consumers. Uh, while we are a B2B company in terms of how we monetize, we're a B2B2C company uh, by way of the end product, um, at least part of the, the the products that we have, which the consumer sees, so the consumer wins, um, and and of course, um, you know, where we are, I'm not the kind of CEO who's going to be sitting on a bunch of cash and and try to sleep well at night. It's all about investing the money and hopefully making the right decisions, right, uh, yeah, and yeah. developing the right products um, as you know as the next step. Excellent. So you, you mentioned um, that you have uh, 170 service provider uh, partners, customers um, that grew from 150 not too long ago. Uh, um, the uh, How many consumers or how many uh, endpoints, however you want to measure it, uh, is, is the company reaching at this moment? I'll measure in, in both terms. Uh, we're reaching, we just passed about 22 million households. Uh, what that means is 22 million households are receiving some sort of smart home service, all managed, optimized, controlled by Plume, by, by the Plume cloud. We have multiple cloud instances um, around the world. 
uh, and that's reaching about 26, 27 million endpoints in terms of think of them as access points, either routers or nodes. Uh, it could be a mesh node or an extender or an access point. Um, and in terms of the endpoints that we see on our network, we're, we're approaching a billion devices, connected devices that we see and, and optimize and do something wow. on, whether we clients there or what have you. So um, we believe this makes us the largest software-defined network in the world. And obviously, the scale is providing tremendous amount of sort of unfair advantages for us as we curate new products because we're learning from a much broader data set uh, that we uniquely see. And obviously, all of our service provider customers benefit from the data and the learnings and insights we gain from other parts of the world or other service provider networks. Yeah, that's what I was um, uh most impressed with kind of in looking at the research was just the, the, uh, the number of endpoints that you cover and how, how vast that is. And obviously you've been, you know, connecting by way of, uh, some, some really big tier one service providers. And so I guess a natural question would be, um, you know, what are some of the things you think the company is doing well enough to win and maintain those major, uh, tier one relationships? Yeah, I mean, uh, interestingly, I would say that when you look at the overall market, the tier one service providers uh, actually are the smallest part of the market. Mm, uh, there okay. are about, um, when you talk about tier ones, by our count, there may be 15, 20 of them in the world, um, like the likes of Comcast and Charter and yeah. Liberty Global. Those are all our customers. Right. But the way we slice and dice, when you look at the world, there's probably about 15,000 to 20,000 operators globally. Uh, think of them as it could be as small as a little, you know, municipality offering some broadband services um, to, you know, medium-sized companies and so on. So what has worked for us, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of our discussion, I, I come from this world and my co-founders and so on. So we've had established relationships with a lot of, uh, you know, quite a few operators, which gave us the, the opportunity to kind of penetrate some of these larger operators early on. It's actually quite unusual. Usually startups, you get some of the smaller players yeah. and you earn your way up. Uh, right. And once yeah, you yeah. get that big, we call it elephants or, or what have you, gorillas or whatever you want to call them. Right. You celebrate. Uh, Plume, in fact, does it up, did it upside down. Um, those operators, tier ones are very difficult to penetrate into. Um, they kick the tires and so on. But once you get into them, uh, we've done this in North America with companies like Charter, Bell Canada, uh, Comcast. Our um, relationships with them actually give us tremendous amount of credibility, which enables us to sort of uh, give us a little bit more swagger, I can't find a different word, to yeah. kind of, uh, you know, prove that this, the product is real and, and all of that. So that strategy has worked well. We, we end up landing in these markets with some of the larger, more reputable, you know, bigger uh, leading operators. And then we expand from there. We did that in Canada, uh, where we landed with Bell. We did it in North America, in the U.S. with Comcast. We did it in Europe with Virgin Media, you know, Liberty Global Group. We landed in Japan uh, with Jcom, the largest cable company there. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
you know, the tier one operators are, you know, three or four or five of them um, on, on our roster of 170, you know, service providers. So um, I believe um, that sort of um, leverage or high leverage uh, strategy has been working. And until it proves that it isn't, we'll, we'll probably continue. Uh, so we're interested, you know, we're working with both large tier ones and, and smaller carriers, uh, which is... Yeah, that's what I, I wanted to kind of get across as well is that, you know, you, you've, you've honed the strategy in the tier one market and you have this, this uh, amazing data point, you know, from drawing on all these devices and all these customers that are out there, but you're nimble enough to be able to address any, practically any size carrier. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, some of these carriers, um, you know, we're able to convince them that we have a good solution, they should adopt it. And then we've, we've operationalized these things. So we're able to, you know, sometimes start to finish. in 30 days, we can launch you, you're a carrier, you come to Plume, we've put in uh, certain policies and processes in place, where we could literally take you to market in 30 days. And in the in our world, that is is unheard of. Uh, yeah, that's what it's like we've had to in, in invest uh, quite a bit. Uh, in, an, in an infrastructure and the cloud certainly helps. So we try to get as much as possible up onto the cloud, uh, which is effectively the switchboard with tremendous flexibility. And that's, that's been helping. Um, let's talk about uh, OpenSync. Um, so you've, you've been a VC. Um, I, I, I guess you would, VCs would describe this as your, as your, uh, uh, your moat or your, your one, your strategic advantage, uh, in the market. Um, what, uh, to give us a little bit of background on what OpenSync is and why it gives Plume such an advantage in the market right now. Yeah. Um, let's talk about whether it's a moat or a turbocharger. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So, maybe I got my, maybe, me, you know, I haven't been in Silicon Valley for a few years, so maybe my terminology is a little outdated. <laughs> no, no, your terminology is totally fine. I just made up the turbocharger thing. I was trying to come up with something clever. Perfect. To say. <laughs> um, the OpenSync is um, our device level software. Uh, you can uh, you can think of it as the SIM card. Um, it is a very capable. We call it silicon to cloud framework. So it's a complete stack um, that enables effectively uh, us to, to connect any OpenSync enabled uh, CPE uh, to our cloud. And then of course we, we offer our services, um, you know, everything is curated, managed, optimized, delivered, fixed, you know, by the cloud. Um, okay. OpenSync came about, uh, we open sourced it. We used to call this thing PML, Plume Middle Layer. It was sort of the software that we were we needed to integrate into various devices, routers, access points, extenders, uh, so we could offer the services. We realized that it we needed to reduce the friction uh, in the industry to integrate a new piece of third-party software, but from a startup that people kind of said, well, what, why am I relying on this? What if Plume goes away? Uh, and so on. So we decided to open source. We First, we made it free. We open sourced it. Uh, we opened up the interfaces from it to anybody's cloud. So in other words, anybody can literally go get OpenSync from OpenSync.io, integrate it into their device. 
build their own cloud and you're off you go. Uh, you, you, right. you know, projects like the TIP, Telecom Infrastructure Project, Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on. A bunch of people are building clouds on OpenSync uh, for for various purposes on that. Um, so it's a it's an enabler, uh, you know, for us to get our hooks, if you will, as broadly as possible. We've also worked with uh, you know silicon platform providers like Broadcom, Qualcomm, and others. You know, many of the the the, the large ones. Um, OpenSync now comes pre-integrated and supported on the SDKs. So any box that ships today effectively has OpenSync in it. So yeah. I, I I'm not sure I see it as a moat. I see it as a as a maybe the turbocharger is is may or may not be the right. It's it's really accelerating. It was a constraint. We felt that our kind of putting some proprietary software into somebody else's box was creating some friction. So we decided to make it free and open, changeable. Uh, there's a BSD3 license attached to it, so anybody can download, modify if they so wish. They can, you know, contribute it back to the community and okay. open up the interfaces to other people's cloud. So then people are saying, "I'm not really reliant on Plume." So in fact, maybe it's the inverse of the mode. We've we've made it somewhat easier for people to come and compete with us, but. Our belief is um, most of the magic happens on the cloud. Uh, this is a connectivity connection mechanism to the cloud. It's a modern connection mechanism, uh, and you know we will compete on the cloud basis. Uh, so that's kind of that was the intent, and you know it, it's it's going it's growing very very fast. So uh, to to go back to the, my tired moat analogy, uh, you're 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 actually building a bridge. Uh, over the moat and straight into your battle arena where you <laughs> where, uh, okay. where, where you would have more of a technical advantage, I guess. Sure. I mean, we're basically, what we're saying is you want to compete with Plume on our turf in a way. Uh, but again, but you're able to compete with Plume. That's, that's the key. And the service providers actually, particularly yeah. the large ones like this because they don't like being dependent on any vendor, uh, if you know uh, what I mean. Right. So I, I, I like been, that approach too, because it, it, it takes away that initial sting of, um, you know, like you said, the viability of a company or how long they're going to be in a given market or, you know, well, if Plume pivots to something else, am I stranded here with this software? And that uh, the open approach, I think, takes takes that concern completely off the table. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that actually lowers the barrier as well. Uh, if Plume were to go away for whatever reason, um, our service provider customers who have deployed OpenSync onto their boxes that's being run by the Plume cloud, um, you know, you could. There are other smart people. You could certainly write algorithms and protocols, what have you, to to run the services, uh, if you know what I mean. But again, you know, we're, we're, we're competing on the cloud basis. We think we have the most scalable, most reliable, most capable, highest performance, you know, most secure um, cloud environment uh, that manages, you know, the scale we're talking about here is not few millions you're talking. You know, we're already at tens of millions. Soon will be hundreds right. of millions. So that's how we architected it. Um, okay. And use the um, modern protocols. Well, I... Thanks for going into the detail there. I, th- I think it's important for people to kind of understand, yeah, what what that uh, key kind of technical uh, part of uh, you know underpinning in the company is all about. Um, now let's talk about the market itself because this is a growing market. It's one that a lot of people have had a hard time uh, 
you know, tapping over the years. Um, so what do you think is the most significant trend or event that's going to happen in the smart home space and the connectivity market, um, you know, in the coming year? And, and if you want in the, you know, in the foreseeable future, I guess. Okay. I forgot to bring my bottle of wine, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, <laughs> to, to comment on the, on the future anyway. Um, I, I won't, this I won't could be a long discussion. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I think smart home, first and foremost, uh, we use that term, but there are many definitions of what smart home is. Uh, some people think that anything that's connected, uh, means it's in a smart home there are connected devices and then uh, people talk about smart home but they're really talking about smart devices that can do certain things uh, you know on their own um, but you know the, the way we see it is it's it's very much data driven it's an it's a uh, operating system if you will I and mean, ultimately i would i could describe plume today as the operating system of the smart home Right. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the switchboard. It's the control plane, if you will, that looks across multi brand, multi vendor, multi CPE environment with a rich set of um, you know, services. So that I believe, um, you know, from the service provider perspective, I believe there's going to be a lot more focus. Um, we've been seeing an increased focus on the home. Um, as I was mentioning before, as broadband pipes are big, um, you know, differentiation is how much you pay for it and if somebody else offers you a gig for cheaper then you can move a, because a lot a of pretty people fickle are on, market yeah right right so service providers uh, in any subscription business I, I would submit to you that the biggest cost is churn when your customers leave you so for stickiness you need to do two things you need to sell them more stuff uh, and you keep them happier so from the cloud, there's a lot of backend tools and capabilities for support and operations purposes that uh, our service provider customers use to keep the customers happy. And the front end, you know, we give them more stuff. So I think you're going to see a lot more focus in the home, not necessarily uh, bringing faster pipes to the home. Uh, so that's one. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I feel like broadband should be attached to the smart home, not the other way around. Um, smart home services built on top of broadband. That's how everybody thinks about it. Sure. Um, the second prediction that I would I would make um, is particularly in the wireless environment, as five G uh, as a fixed wireless access technology sort of you know is here. Um, mm -hmm. There are significant advantages, unlike the pipe as a fiber or a fiber pipe or a coax pipe or a copper pipe, um, there are more knobs you can turn to make the fixed wireless broadband or that, that channel more efficient. But that needs to be driven by some knowledge that comes from the experience of the devices and people inside the home. So what I, what I, what I predict is we're going to be moving into this direction where, for example, the plume control plane will be managing across the unlicensed spectrum in Wi-Fi and license spectrum. And I think we're going to find tremendous amount of efficiencies uh, there. So that's all I will say. I'm very excited about kind of that dimension. And, and uh, my vision is to really expand the plume control plane to look across 
a, 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 a you know, to both uh, license and, you know, an access point in a home or a router or an extender and a small cell 5G or a macro cell in so many ways. I know I'm simplifying it, but in one, one perspective, they're all the same as you steer right. clients and devices and where should I connect and which frequency band I should connect and which interference I should avoid, et cetera. So I think there's some, and the beautiful thing, the key enabler here is we have infinite, practically infinite amount of compute and storage that's getting cheaper. And as we scale and I buy more and more compute from our uh, cloud providers, you know, it gets cheaper for us and it just mm-hmm. creates a beautiful dynamic. Okay. Well, that's a pretty, um, pretty interesting prediction. I'm, I'm excited to see how that takes the, you know, how that takes shape in the market in the uh, uh, weeks and months to come. Um, uh, Fari Diner, thanks so much for being part of the Executive Spotlight Q&A. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for taking the time and, and uh, inviting me for this. Mm-hmm.